the word this morning, we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah, and I, I think it's going to do uh, several things. Uh, I think it's going to not only be a word for the church, this church, and all churches. I also believe it's going to be a glimpse of the kind of leadership that you're going to be getting with Pastors Chad and, and Rachel Hayes. The title of my message is Refusing to Relent. Refusing to, to relent. And so, but before we get to the main text in, in chapter 6, I just want to read those nine verses. And there's a key verse that's going to stand out, jump out, and be my, my main point this morning. But I, I, want to, I want to create the foundation and build up, develop that plot, including villains and all. It's really a, a microcosm of what life is all about. I want to do that this morning, and so I ask for your patience as you bear with me. And at the time, think about how this affects, affects us. And so before we get into this, let's, let we join me in prayer. Lord knows I need it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness that we were singing about this morning. Lord, speaking of uh, your unrelenting love that chased us down. Oh, your mercy and grace that poured out. And, and, and Lord, you're, you're calling us to you, Lord, because you first loved us while we were yet sinners. So, God, I thank you for your goodness and your presence that is here. I pray that, Lord, we'll have ears to hear, hearts to receive, that we'll, we'll do more than just an intellectual exercise, but well, we'll let the word of God drive deep into our souls and our, our spirits. And Lord, that you'll empower us by your Holy Spirit, that we'll be, we'll be more than just, just uh, hearers, but we'll be doers. We'll do the works of our faith, proving that our faith in you is real, it's alive, it's authentic. And it's impacting not only our lives, but all those that are around us. God, we give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, there, there's several different metaphors that could be served, I think, in this great narrative of this uh, uh, God's story about the children of Israel returning to Jerusalem after their uh, time in exile uh, in, uh, in Babylonia, involving these three leaders. Zerubbabel, he was involved in rebuilding the temple. Of course, we had Ezra, restoring the worship, true worship of God. And, and, and it brings us to what we're going to focus on today, Nehemiah and his lead in rebuilding the walls and the city gates. And so, as I mentioned, we can take a very uh, subjective, if you will, approach and apply this to our, to our personal lives, our personal faith, the status of where, where we're at and what is surrounding us as we really are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe it's the condition of the American church, as I said, especially considering walls and gates and the, and the desperate need for, for strong, anointed leaders in the pulpits of the local churches today. And thirdly, the kind of leaders, as I mentioned, that you're getting with the haze. I've, I've never, we spent almost every day together during that time. I've never been around a guy that is such a can-do guy. I, 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 I stopped asking, can we do it, knowing that we're going to do it. And I'd go into prayer, and if God says something, we're going to do it. And, and I've, I've just come to so appreciate that. So King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, they had conquered Jerusalem, and we had this 70-year exile Judah was in. They had lost their temple. It was destroyed. The, the, the city, Jerusalem city walls were, were demolished and, and they burnt the city gates. The Babylonians were then thrown, uh, overthrown rather by, by King Cyrus of Persia. He began to allow the children of Israel to return to their homeland that they might restore what was taken from them, what was uh, 
uh, torn down and burnt down, rebuilding of the temple and the, and the city walls and the worship to the, to the Lord again. And so we pick up here with Nehemiah, who was part of that tribe of Judah that had been taken captive and led into exile by, by the Babylonians. And he worked as a, well, he slaved as a cupbearer for the new king of Persian Empire, uh, Artaxerxes. A cupbearer. Uh, basically the guy that says, here, you try this first, see if you drop dead, and if you don't, then I'll drink this. That kind of a, that kind of a position. Although a cupbearer in these times was, it was an official, it was an official uh, 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 position. They were considered trustworthy. They were, they were loyal. And as the story unfolds, he, he obviously becomes much more than a, than a, a cupbearer. So Nehemiah learns the news. Of, of what's going on in Jerusalem from some fellow countrymen uh, who had been there, that the city walls were broken down, that, that the, the gates were, were, were burnt to uh, cinder, and that the people, they were distressed. They're in a, a troubled state. And so he was, he was greatly burdened. And so he sought God about what he would have them to do. And so Nehemiah 1 and 4, it says that, so, so it was, when I heard these words, this is Nehemiah writing, that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So he gets that word from the Lord and he goes to uh, King Artaxerxes uh, for asking for some time off, that he might go back to his homeland to help rebuild these walls and these, these gates, to bring leadership to the people and to help them restore the strength of city that contained the temple of God. Let me, let me restate, if I haven't stated this enough, I, I'm not talking about return churches, walls being broken down, or any, any gates being, being burnt. Uh, what, what, a, what a blessing to come in to such a position that, that you're able to come in with this church, the strong leadership, with uh, Pastor Bill being able to stay here. What, what a strength to the entire body, not just your new pastor's that have, been, that have been coming in. This is, this is a strength to the body. And we don't do this. We were just briefly talking about that this morning, Pastor Bill. As I mentioned, we don't do this for the fun of it. I ran from God for years and years and years, and finally I had to answer the call of God on my life. And if you don't have that call on your life, and you do step into a position like this, I think I said something to Pastor Bill, like, you've you, you got to be flat out crazy. So to have that stability and that strength and that wisdom, what a blessing to the body. And what more that you will be able to do as God asks you to do it. So he asked to, to go back, and, and he has found favor with, with the king. And he asked him, well, can you write some letters to the governors in these regions that I have to travel through to give me safe passage? Yes, he, he, he'd be glad to do that. Can you write me a letter also to the, uh, the keeper of, of, of uh, those, the forests so that I might have the timbers to the supplies and the resources that I need so that I might answer this call that God has led me, led me to. And so in Nehemiah 2.8, that verse says, And the king granted them to me according to, and here is a very important phrase, the good hand of God upon me. The hand of God is upon you. The hand of God needs to be, needs to be upon us if we're going to accomplish anything for him. And then he runs into his first hint of ob. Uh, opposition, and this is, this is life. This is living life in a fallen world. 
regardless of how saved we are, regardless of how great God is, we still have to walk this faith out in a sinful and fallen world. And so he, he gets his first hint of opposition, these other people in that region. They're, they're not on board. They're not, they're not even hearing the same things that, that this man of God is hearing. And they recognize what was happened, and of course they feel threatened by it all. So Nehemiah 2.10 says, When Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. God forbid that someone is seeking the well-being of another human being, and, and that's going to threaten me. This is what we're seeing, not just then. There is nothing new under the sun. And we see these same things happening even in today. And so Nehemiah, he gets to Jerusalem, and he, 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 for the first time he's laying eyes uh, on all of the uh, uh, damage and devastation. He sees the condition of the city, and perhaps more importantly, he sees the condition of the people that were there. And I, as I think of this on a broader scale, I can't help but recognize the condition that our nation is in. The pace of this moral descent that we've been on, at least in my lifetime, it's, it's concerning at the least. But it doesn't surprise God. He's not taken aback by it. And he has got a remnant of his people that are going to rise up in these last days. And they're going to stand for righteousness and truth. They're going to proclaim the love of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And once a... a hardened but broken construction guy. I was in concrete construction for 20 years in the union trades, got my hands dirty. I, I, I have seen in conversations, talking with the hardest guys you can think of, just get emotional and crack. And, and it's, it's because we're all frail when it comes down to it. We're, we're in need of something so much more than ourselves or certainly what anything that this world can offer. And we begin to get in touch with who God really is. Let down your facade. Let down the tough guy attitude. Let down your pride. Surrender yourself. Open yourself up to the presence of God. And yeah, life, change, life changes. Life changes. And so, knowing, that, knowing what they're to do, he, he gathers the children of Israel from this city, those that were scattered in, in, in the region. And in Nehemiah 2.17, then he said to them this, he says, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste or is, or is desolate, and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be reproached or despised. And so then he casts this vision. I believe a vision that, that we get from God. I, I, know, I know this man of God. He's not going to be cast in personal visions. He's going to be cast in visions that God gives him. He's trustworthy. He's loyal. This, this couple seeks the face of God. They hear his voice. And then they walk in obedience to the leading of that voice. And they go in the direction. When you walk by, we walk by faith and not by sight. And any Texas boy moving up to Minnesota, that's walking by faith and not by sight. So he casts vision, and he, aspire, he inspires the people with authority. Another very important, with the authority of not just the king, but the authority from the king of kings. The authority of, of God's hand. And he says in, in, in uh, verse 18 of chapter 2, And I told them the hand of my God, which is good upon me, 
and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. So then the people, they say this, and I, I, I encourage and I charge Return Church uh, to, to respond in the same way. Here's what the people said. Let us rise up and build. And they set and they strengthened their hands to this good work that God gives through the leader. God will strengthen your hand. He will give you all that you need in what he is calling you to. But opposition comes up. It's a fallen, it's, it's a fallen world. And this, these leaders of this opposition, Sanballat and, and, and Tobiah and, and Geshem, they were dis- determined to stop this wall from being built, these gates from being restored. We have enemies. We have enemies that we have to face, and we have to face them not in our own strength. We have to face them with all that God gives us. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We, we need him to battle these enemies. Our three primary enemies that will never stop. Number one, it's Satan himself. Number two, it's the system of this world. And number three, it's our own carnal flesh. And, and we battle these enemies, not, not in ourselves. We battle them with the power of the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We are overcomers. We are victorious when we remember this and fight in this. There's a spirit of the Antichrist. He's hard at work in these days. The moorings that this nation was built on, they're being under, undermined. They're being dismantled. And we got enemies coming in from all sides. The Christian faith is being attacked like never before. I, I, we never had, had I thought that I'd see the things that are transpiring. And I read about things and at the pace that we're going, they're not just going to be something we'll read about. They're going to be a reality. But God is preparing the remnant of his church. And he is stirring. He is stirring. There's a stirring that is going on. If you have any sensitivity at all to the Holy Spirit, he was stirring just as he was in this days of Nehemiah. They sent these enemies. They sent spies into the city. They, they tried to discourage the people. They spread rumors. And they, when these methods were in effect, uh, they sent armed forces to even attack to, to stop this work that the Lord had called them to do. But in Nehemiah 2.20, he says this, So I answered them and I said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we as servants will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. There's so many preach points, and I'm building this to get to my, my main point. And so then he goes into chapter 3, and he led, and he rallied the people to come together for that one common purpose of rebuilding that wall, restoring strength to that city that houses the temple of God, that represents the presence of God, and where the word of God is, is, is spoken and built into his people for strength. And I thought, oh, to be as single-minded and as determined as Nehemiah was. To catch that vision that God gave him. To be able to speak with boldness and, and courage to the people. To inspire them. To rally them to the call of, of that vision. And I, in Nehemiah 4.1, and it says, But it so happened that when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he was furious and very indignant, mocking the Jews. But regardless of the persecution... It goes on to say that it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites. Aren't you glad you're not an Ashdodite? They heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were being to be closed. And they became very angry. 
These are people just trying to look out for the well-being of others. And this is angering these people, causing them to conspire together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Oh, the, the enemy loves to confuse people. He loves confusion. But God's vision is clear. And when the leader of God hears his voice, when we hear his voice, we're all capable of this, God brings clarity. If you are dealing with confusion or have it, do not make a decision. Only make decision with the clarity that God can give us. And so he says, nevertheless, in verse 9 of chapter 4, we made our prayer to God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. It goes on to say that he looked and he arose and he said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember this, the Lord is great and awesome. And fight for your brethren, your sons, your wives, and your houses. We have to... My father of four children. My wife did an amazing job homeschooling these kids. And I've said this before. If I drop on this platform today, I don't know tomorrow. I don't know the next hour. But if I were to, I would, I would die in peace knowing that my kids know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And, I, and, I, and I, I, those of you that have lost loved ones, don't you ever, ever, ever give up. I, I believe my, my mom prayed me back into the kingdom. And you get the prayer warriors and the intercessors of God going, and I'm telling them, they will move heaven and earth. And God, I believe that God began to, God began to do a work that was amazing. And I, I, later, I'd meet, I'd meet, first time I walked into what is, what is now Stonebridge Church, I was a broken young man, 24 years old, just moved out of an animal house. I don't know if you know what an animal house is. Uh, no, there was no animals living in there, but there was five guys living there that acted like animals. And I moved in with my aunt, and my dad said, come to church with me on Wednesday night. And, and I had already had a long, long story uh, that I'll tell another time. I had already come to the end of myself, and I was on my knees, and I, I repented before God, and I, I turned from the way I was going, literally, and I started running towards Jesus. I've been running after him ever since. It's the only way to go. The only way to go. I walked into that church, and Pastor Ken Bensley puts his arm around me. He said, I've been praying for you for years. And, and I'm so grateful. God, God works in and through people. He does amazing things through his through his saints, through his children, and, and we can all be a part, a part in this. And so he, he goes on, he pulled these people from the construction, and he armed some of them, as, as some of you are familiar with this story, to stand guard against this opposition. There's always going to be opposition. This is never going to... I, I speak with young people, and I'm, I'm afraid to speak too much of the truth. I try to do my best in love, and my wife reminds me, listen, you got to soften up a little bit. Like, take, take it a little easier on them. But I want to just tell them right off the get, listen, life is never going to be easy, so quit looking for the easy way out. Because anything worth any value is going to come with some, it's going to come with some grit and some resolve. It's going to come with some determination. And it'll ultimately come by the power of the Holy Spirit. If it doesn't, you don't want it anyway. And so he says, wherever you go, you'll hear the trumpet of the trumpet, excuse me, the sound of the trumpet, and that'll be a rallying cry. God will fight for us. Chapter 5 goes on, more conflicts arise. But these conflicts were internal. Church, let me just encourage you. 
We got enough opposition from the world. We don't need it inside the church. I, 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 don't, I know Pastor, he's not going to claim to know all the answers. But what he's going to do is something, if you're disagreeing, says, let's pray about this together. Because we're both praying to the same God that speaks one voice. And so we're going to hear the same thing. Might hear it a little bit differently, but it's going to lead us in the same direction. And so let's seek God together. They were nobles and officials charging interest on debt. They were uh, confiscating uh, their land and their property, calling some, causing some of the children to have to be uh, sold as, as slaves. And Nehemiah confronts them. Can I just pause here a second? Confrontation is not bad. Matter of fact, confrontation is good if it's done in the right way. And that's speaking the truth in love and, and receiving it in love. When that type of a confrontation, I am grateful for confrontation. I'm grateful for my father who, who gave me some tough love. When I, when I totaled my, my car after a three, I hadn't been, I, didn't, I hadn't slept for uh, three, I had about six hours of sleep in three days. I was, somehow was holding down my job and, and I was on my own and totaled my car uh, on, a, on a major highway. And I, I needed a vehicle to get to work. My dad lived two hours north of me. I knew he had about five or six vehicles in the driveway. I said, Dad, I need a vehicle. He says, you're not getting one. We can't watch you do this with your life. We're not going to enable this. He confronted me. I've been confronted by men of God that aren't concerned about their own personal reputation, but they're concerned about my soul. And I'm grateful for it. And we need more men and we need more women that are willing to do that difficult thing. But he confronts them and he admonished them for their selfish deeds. And they responded. They responded in a right way and said, well, we'll, we'll give the land back. We'll, we'll, we'll stop doing what we're doing so that we can, yes, be single-minded and accomplish this one thing. We've got this one common goal. That's to rebuild the walls and the gates that have been torn down and that need to be restored. And so this brings us to my text. And it, I won't belabor this because it's, 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 it's a point that is encouraging to me. I, I trust it'll encourage you. And we get more opposition from the enemies. This life is not easy. More and more opposition. And so, uh, as we go to Nehemiah chapter 6, this is a tiny little pulpit. Bill, you must not have many notes. You just get the word open and let it go. I, I really appreciate Pastor Bill's teaching. I've, I've watched him online. I have been blessed by him. I have been fed by him and, and strengthened, and I, I appreciate that. But Nehemiah chapter 6. Let me just read this first. And there's the big Bible on the screen. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall. And there were no breaks left in it, though at the time I had not hung the doors in the gates. And that's what I want to speak to you about these gates. The Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent messages to them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? I want to read this verse again. This is a verse for Return Church, Stonebridge Church, my friends' churches in Homa, Louisiana, San Antonio, Seguin, Arvada, Wapaka, Eau Claire, I don't care where you are, this verse 
is a, is a word for the children of God and the people of God in 2021 in America. Verse 3, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me this message four times, and I answered them in the same manner. Then Sanballat sent a servant to me as before, the fifth time, with an open letter in his hand, and it was written, It's reported among the nations, and Geshem says, that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall, that you may be their king. And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. So come, therefore, and let us consult together. Then I sent to him, saying, No such thing as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they were all trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work, and it will not be done. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. This world wants to do nothing but pour fear into our lives. The enemy knows that fear is a very powerful motivator, and it, and it can be, and it is, but what's in the, when it's in the wrong hands, it's deadly. It's absolutely deadly, and so he wanted them to be afraid. Making up lies and schemes and, and deceitful plots had no truth to them whatsoever. According to the rumors, we need to know what we're listening to, we need to know who we're listening to, and we need to know why we're listening to what it is. We have to have an ear to hear, but we have to hear the voice of the Lord that comes through his word, that comes through his servants. And yes, it comes directly to you. God speaks to us through the Bible, through your personal prayer time, through the servants, with each other, confirming it with the, with the voice of the Lord. And so whether it's our own personal faith and the status of our lifestyle, or whether it's the condition of the American church today, my, my charge to return churches, let's do your part as a local church to rebuild the walls and the gates of the big church, right? That's what we need. We need the local churches. We need to return to what matters. What a great, great Leading of the Lord, I'm sure it was. I don't know the story behind it, but I'm telling you what, the name of this church, the leading to that, it's, it's of the Lord. Returning to, to what matters, that intimate love relationship that we were singing about this morning, that all might come to know that. The lost, the broken, the ones that have never heard the gospel in, in this kind of a, of a, of a setting or a, uh, heard, heard it proclaimed. The unchurched, the dunchurched, you name it. All those that are not walking with the Lord, they, they need to return to what matters. And they need to restore these walls and these gates in, in our own lives, those ones that have been torn down and burnt down. And so here, here's what I want to say about walls and city gates. In Matthew, in Matthew the 16th chapter, very familiar passage, and Jesus asks his disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And, and so it goes on, verse, uh, verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And fast forward to verse 18, and he said, And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, not on the rock of Peter. Peter was a stone. He was a little pebble compared to the rock of Jesus Christ. That solid rock on which we stand. 
He said, on this rock, on who you said that I am, I'm, that is the rock that I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It will not prevail against I don't know why I allow myself. I don't know why I hear it from people in the church that call themselves a Christians. Why I hear the doom and the gloom. And Have you read the end of this book? We win. We win. Victory. And only victory in, in Jesus, meaning in relationship with Jesus. Hearing his voice. Walking in obedience, and not in our own strength of that either, but by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that resides into us. He has made it, uh, he has made it quite simple. Not easy because of the enemies we face, but so simple. God Almighty, who spoke this world into existence, allows you to sit here and have life here today. He says, I have a way, simply follow me. And why do we have to confuse it? Why do we have to distort it? Why do we have to, how do we possibly forget the simplest truth that has ever been spoken out of any human's mouth? The first, this is the first time the, church, the word church is used in the New Testament. And it translates assembly or called out in that Greek language. We are the assembly of God's people. And we're called, called out of the world and called to a work that he's calling us to. Just like Nehemiah was. Called out of captivity. Out of the bondage that we were singing about this morning. Into a calling. A high calling. Why in the world would I come down to the level of carnality and flesh. And even, the, the, even, even hell itself. When I am up on this wall building and doing the work of the Lord. I'm not better than you are. But I'm in a higher place. I'm in a higher calling. I'm a child of God. I'm not walking according to the ways of this world. I'm not walking according to the, to, to the desires uh, and, and the uh, unsatiable desires of the flesh and the carnal nature. I am walking on a higher plane. Why in the world would I come down and stoop down back to where in the muck and the mire? I'm not coming down. I'm not giving in to your lies. I'm not giving in to your deceit. I'm certainly not giving in to your fears. Now, if you're thinking about coronavirus, that's fine. I am talking partially about that, but I'm talking corona or no corona. This message will preach any year of any decade, of any time span, right? I've had, my wife and I, we've had, we've had COVID. God bless I thank him that he brought us through it. He strengthened. My parents have had it. My son and my daughter have had it. I know several people that have had it. And, and God is, I'm grateful, and I know that several here have had it. I'm, I'm not discounting that. I'm not saying peel your masks off and give each other hugs and kisses on your way out. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying don't you dare be motivated by the fear of the world. Don't do it. We need to return to what matters. After 70 years of exile in the city, uh, from the city of Jerusalem, no walls. Can you think, imagine this, no walls, anybody coming and, and going, everybody as they please. What a metaphor here, the church's walls, and, and, and not, not return church, I'm talking about the American church's walls and their gates. There's gaps, they're broken down. Many of the gates have literally burnt down. And so we've got people coming and going at will. See, gates allow access to places. And they allowed access to the cities. They're for holding the enemies out. And they're for people, keeping the people of the city in. This is the job of some of our pastors. We, 
I hate the revolving doors of the church. But we, we, need to, we need to understand who's coming in. And we need to understand who's going out. It's difficult to do when the walls are broken down and the gates are burnt, burnt, burnt to cinders. And this is what Jesus was talking about. Death could not hold him. The power of, of death and the realm of the dead, they could not hold him. And so with no gates, anyone coming and going as they please, we, we have to know as shepherds, and I know that we do. We need to know who they are. Are they friend or foe? Are they wolf or sheep? Are they a teacher or a false teacher? I, I can talk to you. I believe I'm going to talk to you real. I'm going to talk to you in love. It's a big, bad world out there. It, it is. The, the, the lure, I could bore you with stats, and they, they're not boring, actually. They're, they're heartbreaking of the young people that walk out of, be raised in churches like this one and walk out the doors and within months they're indoctrinated with the things of this world and they're turning their back on, faith, on their faith. It's a big, bad world out there. The draw, the lure, the temptations, they're endless. We need these walls restored and only God can restore them. We need the gates to provide the protection for the city, their very existence. The city's very existence, your faith, your life's faith, this church, the very existence is based on the power that these gates have. The spiritual warfare, it's getting more and more intense. It's a battlefield. Can you imagine running out into the battlefield unprepared? No armor, no shield, no sword. And yet we get caught up in the affairs of this world, and they're real. And they, they can be unrelenting themselves. We, we end up doing this, and we, may, we cause ourselves to be vulnerable. And before, before we know it, we do this day after day after day. We weaken ourselves. We come under attack. And so leaders were given the authorization and the resources to get the job done. God has given us everything that we need to do what he's asked us to do. We simply have to step out in faith and access it. We need to ask that God helps us, enables us, empowers us to appropriate those things. We need pastors who are going to stand before God and realize that they're going to give an account someday. James tells us, maybe some, not many of you should become teachers. You know, you're going to be held even more accountable for what you teach. Leading to the point of why in the world would anybody do what we're doing? I have people looking at me and say, well, you're, you're going to do what? Yeah, I'm going to sell this, we're going to sell this construction company that we're making a good living at, I'm going to go into the minister, ministry and take at least, at least, I don't know how much of a pay cut. Oh, okay, good luck. I mean, they, they don't get it. They don't understand it. Those that don't know the Lord. But those that knew the Lord. And they've seen what God can do with a broken young man who had turned his back on a calling of God. They said, now, now I'm beginning to understand. And to God be the glory. You know how humbling it is to be in front of God's people. Speaking the truth of God's word. It's, it's incredibly humbling. I don't, take it, I don't take it for granted. I ask God someday, I said, am I really doing, can I really do what you're asking me to do? And believe me, it's only, it's only by his leading, his calling, his empowerment that I'm even up here. I'm a, I'm a low-key Swedish, Scandinavian, quiet guy. I, I, I don't... I don't want attention. I don't want to bring attention to myself. But I have to be obedient to the voice of God. And I have to follow after where he's leading. And so let me, let me land this thing. And so, uh, again, we, 
return church, let me just say this. Stay on the wall. Stay on your walls. Stay on the wall of your personal lives. Stay on the walls of your family. Fight for your family. For your brothers and your sisters and your sons and your daughters. God's not given up. You best not give up either. There is a way. God does the impossible. He will sh continue to shock you as you walk this faith out. And so I want to encourage you to stay on that wall. Continue to restore it. Continue to make sure that those gates are strong and, and sturdy. Be a part of that remnant that I spoke of in these last days that is defending and fortifying this church. Because what is he coming back for? He's coming back for a bride. Paul writes about it in Ephesians 5.27 that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Not one limping in by the skin of their teeth, but a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be holy and without blemish. Let me just, the enemy is not going to stop trying to stop you from walking your faith out. He's not going to. He's going to continue to try to discourage you. He's going to distract you. But I'm thankful that as we continue to stay on the wall, stay in your calling. If you don't know, let me just summarize in, in this that since I first took the pulpit five and a half years ago in my church, I've been calling every one of my people ministers. And they're looking at me like, what, what are you talking about? You're the minister. Just shut up. Give me your message so I can go home and have some lunch and watch the Vikings lose. <laughs> it's like the pastor who, who, who put a sign in all, every parking lot in, his, in, in, his, uh, in, his, in every parking space in his parking lot. He said, ministers only. And so... <laughs> So the whole church parked out on the street. And, and, and he walked into the church saying, is there a minister's conference here? Where, where is everybody? Where are the guest speakers? He says, no, you know, realize ministers translate servants. Servants of God. I, I'm, not the, I'm not the sharpest marble in the drawer or the brightest bulb on the tree. Some of you will get that maybe later this afternoon, but... I don't know what to do all the time, but I tell you, when I don't, I, I hit my knees. I just seek God. What, 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 in the what in the world do you want me to do? And God is never, if I give him the time and I give him the space in my life, he has never, ever let me down. And so return church, I love that chapter 6, verse 3. I encourage you to meditate on it. Pray about it. I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease? Why should I leave it and come down to you? And here's the great news. The wall was completed in amazing time. This wall was restored. The gates were rebuilt, fortified that city, protecting the temple of God, the presence of God that was inside of it. And so I, 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 as I transition to hand this over to Pastor Bill, I want to I just recognize another thing, as this is an example of the kind of leadership that you'll be getting with the Hayes family. There's no doubt that Nehemiah's experience as a servant to the king prepared him for what God was calling him to, to manage a project of that size, rebuilding the city walls and gates of a city like Jerusalem. But I love this, and I recognize it in my own life. Little did I know, while I'm on my hands and knees, we used to call it scrubbing on the rock, because the concrete would get so hard so fast, I might as well have been finishing a rock. 
Little did I know, God was preparing me for something that was coming ahead of me. He's always preparing us today for what he's bringing us into tomorrow. Always. God doesn't waste anything. He's very intentional. And I, I thought about this. It's no doubt all the years, Chad and Rachel, all the work that he's called you to, working in other churches, planting churches, joining other churches, all of this time, preparing you for what he's calling you into in this role, in this position at Return Church. Pastor Chad and Rachel's hearts, I know what they are, they're, they're to fulfill God's will for the body of Christ in God's good timing and to bring hope to those that don't have any. It's no doubt in my mind, we didn't want to let them go. But God said, you got to let them go. I said, I, I, I know that. I knew that when they came, but I don't want to admit it. And so we prayed, and we started praying in the fall of 2018 when they came on staff. And then we began to pray even more specifically about Return Church in the fall of 2019 as God began to open more doors and opportunities and began to know each other. And there would have been opportunity for Chad to maybe come down here a little sooner, but his servant's heart wouldn't let him. You know what he did? He blessed us with a three-month sabbatical that we desperately needed. Story for another time. Listen. My life is full of nothing but the goodness and blessings of God, but we still got to go through a lot in this fallen world. I know what it is to have much. I know what it is to have little. God gives and God takes away, but in all that he does, I just got done preaching a series on James, and we are to count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Because God's about wanting to do a perfect work in your life. He, he's building a patience and an endurance so that you can continue to walk out this great faith that we have. That you might not just revel in it, even enjoy it, but that you might be, have an impact and affect those that are around you. I believe so much in the sovereignty of God and the will of God and back to what I said, the timing of God. Because if we truly believe He is who He says He is, I rest easy on my pillow every night saying it's going to be all right. Isn't it? I think there's probably, probably 25 songs about being all right. Listen, if we believe God to be who he says he is, it's going to be all right. He's God, and he'll never, ever let us down. So who knew? Who knew what 2020 was going to bring us? And yet before it arrived, God was already planning to bring the Hayes family to Clarksville, Indiana, to return church. So what this church has been called to for a specific reason, and God's going to continue to work out the plan and purpose that he's always had for return church, and he's calling another man and woman of God to bring them to another season. And the joy of it, as I've already established, it's done together with a great strength. And so to serve as a true shepherd... I know that this is their heart, to protect, to provide. They're people of integrity and character, principle and commitment, vision and perspective, faithfulness, perseverance, resolve, as I, as I said. If God puts it in front of there's nothing Chad 
There's nothing that he doesn't think, even things that I know he's not going to do, he says I can do it. And I, I love that about him. I love that about him. I always will. Of course, I'm biased. I, I realize this. We got to know each other very well. I've said this. We're brothers from another mother. We're kindred spirits. We got the same kind of testimony. Some rough old construction boys that used to just cause havoc, but God got a hold of us. Thank God. Amazing, blessed us with amazing women of God. Blessed us with four children. Blessed us to call, come call to the men. We are blessed men, Chad. Overly Overly blessed, and I am privileged to know you, and I look forward as a pastor of Stonebridge Church to doing things together. I hope we can be sister churches. I, we, we are all on the same side, are we not? So I, we serve the true and only living God. I, I, his name is Jesus Christ. He's doing a great work in Clarksville, Indiana. He's doing a great work in Burnsville, Minnesota. And he's doing a great work wherever God's people rise up to hear his voice and walk it out in obedience. Stay on that wall and refuse to come down and stoop to the level of the world or to give in to the lures or the, de the desires of the flesh and our carnal nature. Before I ask Bill to come, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that is the solid rock that we can stand on. Lord, it's, it's significant. It's true. It's life-changing as we not only hear it, but we receive it into our hearts. I pray that, that this word, Father, it stirs something that has already been planted, that it, these seeds germinate, take root, grow to produce good and lasting fruit in the lives of the people of Return Church, and not just for their own benefit and their blessing, but that they might bless others, that they, they, they get the heart of the pastors to be servants, ministers for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Father, I bless this house. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor Bill.